Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We've got medical dramas for you this week and trust me, it's way overdue. We talk The Young Doctors, the American classic St. Elsewhere and Children's Ward, considered by many to be CITV royalty. Three really good, really different medical dramas and I can't wait to get into it. So... Let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I am very, very well, thank you very much. I am, I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to talking about all three of these shows. Yeah, two out of three for me today. Um, but yeah, pretty good, pretty good week. I could probably guess which one you might not like. And it might, it might be standard, but then yeah, knowing, knowing you, I don't know. Now it was, you know what? It was a really good week this week, and because um, I know you messaged me about doing more of these. Um, oh, absolutely! Do you know what I was thinking? I was like, yeah, obviously we've got to do casualty, we've got to do Holby City, and then I was like, hang on, we've got to do Scrubs, and then there's like Grey's Anatomy and and loads ER ER. There's like, there's, I was thinking, and and I can't think of them all now, but there's tons. Shortland Street, I think, from New Zealand that I keep running into, which I think is still going on to this day. Really, I well, think. I mean, we might have to get once um, Holby City's done and dusted. We might have to mop that up. But I mean, you can't talk about Holby City without talking about Casualty, obviously, because it's the same hospital, right? I didn't so, know that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was, I'm a massive fan of like Holby City and Casualty and everything. So, I never really vibed with Casualty and Holby. I, I just thought it was really good, man. I mean, I haven't watched it lately. I have to admit, I probably haven't watched it for the last year or two. But it was something that my mum and I used to watch together all the time. Like Tuesdays and was it Tuesdays and Thursdays was uh, Holby and then Friday was Casualty. I think it was Saturday, wasn't it? I'm sure. I thought Casualty was on a Friday, but I could be wrong. It was Saturday because um, I know that Saturday we would watch anything other than Casualty. Because that was when <laughs> I think when the game shows would be on on Saturday around 8 o'clock and then Casualty would be on BBC when I think... ITV would have Family Fortunes on at that time. It used to be like the big Saturday night thing, you know, Les Dennis and, and, and what have you. That was like iconic in my household. I don't think I would have been the same person. If it's not there, Dennis. I'll give you the money myself. <laughs> just like he just like looks at you like it's not gonna be up there. Right, let's 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 get started right away. Cause I know there's a, a lot to get through and we're gonna be this might be a two hour plus episode, I reckon. So yeah, I think I think we need to Let's get dive. Yeah, get comfortable, get comfy. I hope you guys are comfortable listening to this as well, or in a comfortable position. This one's going to be a, a good one. So we're going to start with the Young Doctors, which came out in November 1976, and some of the things happening in the world. Renee McRae and her son Andrew disappear from Inverness. And the disappearance is currently Britain's longest-running missing persons case. And in the U.S. presidential election, Jimmy Carter defeats incumbent Gerald Ford, becoming the first candidate from the Deep South to win since the Civil War. The first Megamath shark is discovered off Oahu in Hawaii. Rocky was in the uh, cinemas. And Money, Money, Money by ABBA was in the charts um yeah okay yeah i mean obviously everyone's heard of that song i think um but rocky man what a film 
But I don't show me a person that doesn't like Rocky. I mean, even if you don't like boxing or don't like anything to do with Sylvester Stallone or anything like that, you gotta love Rocky, right? Yeah, absolutely. From young age, from a very young age, I remember watching the Rocky films. And this is like I remember talking about it when I was in year two and year one. Seeing it on the TV and 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 seeing Rocky beat all these guys and somehow overcoming because I think that the thing about Rocky was it was his heart, wasn't it? He wasn't necessarily the most skilled fighter. No, he was just a like a brawler who could um, get a was it heart. Doesn't matter how many times you get hit or go down or, or whatever. Yeah, it's about yeah. how many you get back up. Oh, we're after a good start if you knew Money, Money, Money by uh, Abba. Right, so The Young Doctor. So this was a Australian early evening soap opera originally broadcast on the Nine Network and produced by the Reg Grundy organisation. If you know them, I think they're from Neighbours as well. It's set in the fictional Albert Memorial Hospital and is primarily concerned with romances between younger members of the hospital staff rather than typical medical issues and procedures. The program is shown in numerous international locations throughout the United Kingdom, North America, and also France, Spain, and New Zealand. The series was created and devised by Alan Coleman with Reg Watson, acting as exec producer. Watson had been the producer of the British soap opera Crossroads from 1964 to 1972, and he moved back to Australia to help set up a new drama within the Reg Grundy organisation, which at the time was better known for its game shows. With Coleman directing and Watson's experience of producing fast turnaround five-day-a-week serial drama, The Young Doctors became the third soap opera produced by the Reg Grundy organization following the class of 74-75 for The Seven Network and Until Tomorrow, which also briefly aired on Seven Network in 1975. If I can get a hold of those videos, I'm sure we'll probably do them at some point. And The Young Doctors began a week earlier than another new soap opera on Nine, The Sullivans, which was produced for the network by Crawford Productions. Nine Network made it clear that only one of the series would be commissioned beyond the initial 13-week production run. And after the 13-week trial period, The Sullivans, which had a budget which was three times bigger than The Young Doctors, emerged as a critical success. So The Young Doctors was cancelled. Fans lobbied Nine Network, which then decided to reverse their decision and by popular demand, the Young Doctors continued in its daily 6pm slot and had a successful run of six and a half years, making it one of Australia's longest running and popular serials at the time. I'm sure Neighbours and others have now away. Uh, overtaken it. Yeah, I think they've all uh, overtaken them. And after several years, however, many long-serving cast members began to leave. So during the final season, new characters were added in an attempt to modernise and refresh the long-running serial. The advent of one-day cricket led to Nine Network moving the show around the schedules. The loss of several popular cast members also contributed to sharp decline in ratings. And as a consequence, the series was moved to a mid-afternoon time slot and then cancelled in late 1982. When the series, yeah, like I said, the series ended after 1,397 episodes, 1,397. It held the record of Australia's longest commercial television serial this was later surpassed by a country practice and then as we said neighbors and the young doctors also holds the distinction rare among long-running australian dramas of having never won any sort of television award 
I'm not surprised about that, to be honest. Oh, you just given your you given yourself away. No, just saying. Yeah, you gave yourself away there. <laughs> the Young Doctors had a memorable and distinctive instrumental theme tune, highly evocative of the era, which is still widely remembered by a generation today. The theme was composed by Alan Olivan and Brian King and played by the executives. The band also making a cameo appearance performing the tune at Bunny's at the end of an early episode. The relatively long-running serial also achieved modest international cult success, particularly in the United Kingdom, where it aired in a daytime slot on the commercial ITV network for well over 10 years. And the Young Doctors had a relatively high turnover of young cast playing the Doctors and Nurses, who featured alongside a more stable roster of longer-running elder cast members. The serial also featured many well-known Australian actors appearing in their earliest roles, Notably, the serial also featured a very young Russell Crowe in his first acting role in the episode, originally aired in 1977, and he played a guy called Russell. Particularly popular during the early years was Cornelia Francis, who played sternly efficient Sister Grace Scott, later Matron. The character was regularly seen irate and disciplining the young nurses in her charge. She was also central to one of the young doctor's most famous cliffhangers, when Sister Scott accidentally plummeted down an empty lift shaft and broke her leg. Another star cast member was Gwen Plum, a recipient of the British Empire Medal and AM recipient for her services to the Arts and Community Service, who portrayed gossipy kiosk lady Ada Simmons for the length of the series, appearing from episode two. And Neighbours' current longest-running actress, Jackie Woodburn, who has played Susan Kennedy, was also in The Young Doctors playing the young nurse Maggie Gordon. So, The Young Doctors. So I have like one minor criticism about this show. And that is there's too many characters straight from the offset. It's like, I I think that if you were like watching this kind of religiously every week, it would be a lot easier to kind of get the hang of. But um, I find it, I'm not sure about you, but I found it quite difficult to um, to kind of get to grips with like the uh, soap opera type watching and try to take notes at the same time because it's sort of like doctor someone, doctor someone else, and then nurse someone, and then nurse someone else, and then doctor someone else comes in, and then it's like, I don't know who's who. But I imagine like if you're watching this every week, it obviously it becomes a lot easier. I, d- I had no idea the show even existed. But the, the, I mean, one thing I will say is the theme tune has nothing to do with the young doctors it doesn't encapsulate the show for me and i yeah i wasn't in, i wasn't wasn't impressed with the theme tune i kind of liked it but did it have anything to do with the show did it encapsulate well, the mood well, for you yes because they're young doctors obviously it's all about young doctors and love is in the air and everyone's all love is in the air right yeah i mean that's one of the all that's i think that's what it kind of portrays and you know what i was actually thinking about this and this is very interesting because obviously this is like uh, your typical soap opera this is something that chances are your mum was probably watching this my mum was probably watching this this kind of thing my mum would sit down and watch and would have no problem following the storyline Obviously, we're blokes in it, so we're like, okay, what the hell's going on? Who's this? Who's this? You get, you, you get, you get your mum or any like housewife, woman, whatever, who's sitting down and watch this, 
they were like keeping up going, yeah, I, I know what happened. This happened, this person happened, this person, this person, this person. You're like, huh? And I'm obviously like, you know, getting my phone going, right, okay, so it's this doctor. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So it's harder, it's harder to take notes. But if you're, I, th- I think if you're watching this every week, it obviously becomes a lot easier and probably a lot more enjoyable to watch. Um, and also, I'm not sure about you, but I've, I was so grateful, so grateful that I didn't have to be in hospital in those times. Like they've got like an upside down milk bottle for a blood syringe and uh, sorry, blood drip. And I was like, wow, man. And, and <laughs> when they like carry people off the beds and that, obviously, like now it's kind of like um, very regimented, like uh, you slide off the board and this and that and the other. And there's no like thing. They're just picking them up and just lobbing them on the bed. It was incredible. They don't do them like that no more. But I tell you what, right? Once, once I kind of got to grips with who people was and for what very little I ended up watching, I, I, I actually did like the show. I, I did follow the stories. It's one of those intriguing things that, oh, I want to know what happens next. I want to know where, where this story is going to go, where this thing's going to go. I, I, I did like it. And obviously, it's not just the ladies. Fellas, if you are like the soap operas, if you are like your stories, then you guys can watch it too. It's not, it's not just a, a housewife women thing. I, you know, this is, this probably, yeah, constitutes as stories. This is, you know, this is like my mum will be like, oh, I'm watching my stories and it will probably be something like this. The Young Doctors. You know what I mean? So. I'll tell you what though, it is better than, have you seen the BBC as another, another, uh, well, sort of, I guess, medical drama, the Doctors on BBC, I think. That's um never really got round to watching that. I'm telling you what, one thing about that show, right? I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I, that that what was weird about that show, and it's the audio. There's no um it's, it feels like there's no ambient audio in that show. It's all just kind of just just the dialogue. It's weird. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but I forgot where I was with this show now. This this was this wasn't a bad show. No, and... not at all. I actually really enjoyed the stories, like you said. It's very it's very gripping, it's very drag you in so you want to watch it next week so you want to watch it the next day um it's interesting that it was on at six o'clock in australia but like i i very when i was watching it i got daytime vibes off this show like this this seemed like a day a very much a daytime program that that will come on around lunchtime and yeah, but is it, do you reckon that's because I mean I know it wasn't always the case, but I, is, do you reckon that's because Neighbours and Home and Away and stuff like that are always are, are played in the afternoon now? But I think this used to come on ITV. In, yeah, no, in, no. Um... Yeah, what I'm saying is it's it's just like the Australian drama vibes, right? Possibly, possibly. But I did, yeah, because obviously Australia, this was like their no prime time is eight o'clock, it's not six o'clock, but like six o'clock is a uh, a significant enough slot because I'm sure even in Australia that's when all the cartoons are finished. In yeah, it's it's a crossover, isn't it, between kids' TV and adults' TV at that time? Yeah, let's talk about episodes we watched. I, I have a feeling we may have watched exactly the same stuff. Right. So, uh, well, I mean, I watched a 110 minute episode on YouTube, which I think was like think, one and a half yeah, episodes. It, I think it was the first three episodes. Yeah. So I watched, I watched those. that too. I started off and it's a raunchy start. That's not, um, you know, there's no t- kind of two ways about that. There's like kind of an inappropriate in my eyes. And I think most, 
probably the medical commission's eyes of a nurse and a doctor on a an operating table having like a drink and a they're doing their thing on this table but they're just and then he says to her right so basically they're having this kind of thing and he's got to go away and learn and he says to her and i don't know any i think i don't know the name of this of, of anyone here because it took me quite a while to get to grips with it um he says to her if I, she says, oh, can you stay? Don't go to your thing. Just stay here, right? And he says to her, I'll have to spend all my time with you if I stayed. Well, he's saying, I and need I, to focus on this yeah, medical I, I, thing. I know. The, I can't the, be staying with you. I know the compliment, kind of. I know kind of where he was going with that compliment. But I think if I told my wife, oh, I'm not going to move here because then I'll have to spend all my time with you. I'd have got the sack straight, <laughs> straight, straight away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was the... I understand it, but I don't think that's the kind of correct thing to say to a lady. Anyway, so this uh, superintendent guy um, is... Oh, no, no, it goes up to the the, the guy with his um, with Nurse Adams, right? I don't know his name, um, Dr. someone or whatever. And basically, she's... Uh, nurse Adams is this young nurse, and she's kind of having an affair with this older guy. And he, she says... She kind of basically says, you better tell your wife about us because we, I want to kind of move on sort of thing um then he says yeah yeah, i'll tell her then it goes back to this um uh, superintendent what was his name his name was brian superintendent dr denham yeah and he's the kind of the boss of this thing and basically he's like oh where's um, the little he's with his little boy and um he's like oh where's mum she's tired and you kind of got the impression that something's wrong with mum but you don't kind of know what um turns out that they moved from melbourne and she's really not very happy and he's like not good to his wife and um he has to leave for this conference in New Zealand. Oh, I thought, what a horrible guy. When he's like, because obviously when you're like leaving, you, you, you give your wife a kiss goodbye. And he's like, oh, something's really dramatic. I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, I'll be back tomorrow. And he's like, um, and he's just like kind of kisses on the cheek. And he won't, you know, won't kiss his wife goodbye. So you kind of get the feeling that something's not quite right between their relationship. And you kind of got the impression here that he's playing away, but I'm not, I don't think that transpired. Um, so and then sister that cuts to the hospital and sister scott oh she's so this is where you, i think i got this mixed mixed up so nurse adams comes in after talking to that guy and she kind of like she has a card marked she kind of knows what's going on um and she she's a kind of a bitter woman this sister scott she seems to be a bitter woman at this point and she just says um oh i'm not questioning your nurse your, your nursing skills but your morals are no good kind of thing and kind of insinuating that she knows about what's going on uh, then a woman comes into A&E and says that she, she's pregnant. And then she's like, oh, how long have you been pregnant for? And then she's like, half an hour. And then this is kind of, oh, God, it'll be one of these days kind of thing. I think this is kind of like a light in the mood type thing. Uh, then a boy, Billy, is my notes are very vague here. So if you want to fill in the gaps, uh, be my guest. So um, a, a boy called Billy is in hospital and he doesn't want a reparation. He's got something wrong with his um, digestive tract. And then this kind of like womanizer dr craig rothwell and i'm pretty sure you're not meant to like this guy and he's kind of like chatting up all of the all of the women he comes across he's chatting them up um and then he finds out that dr denham has moved to this place and uh, it seems like he was friendly with his wife so he goes to the house to um to kind of catch up with her i think I'm, i think this is the crossover between two episodes here no no it's still it's still the first one okay so billy's in hospital with a hump and uh, Nurse Adams is out waiting for that doctor man, presumably. Uh, Mrs. Denham, the superintendent's wife, is going to go out. 
uh, with Craig, who comes to the house and um, says hello. Uh, then the sitter comes in to sit for, sit for um, her son, Toby. Uh, Nurse Adams goes to see Billy instead of going out. But then the doctor man comes and then they go out together. And then basically Billy runs away from the hospital. And he's hang on, caught... hang on, hang on. The cliffhanger for this episode was when Nurse Adams is getting her palms red. Oh yeah, I, that's I, I remember. I forgot I didn't write that down, but I did remember. That's um, the that, that's that's the end of the first episode. Yeah, so she gets her palms read by this uh, uh, psychic lady who she reads this other lady's other nurse's palm, and she said, "Oh, it's really good. You can have a look." And she's basically said, "Oh no, I can't read your palm. It's not the thing." He goes, "Oh, go on, please try." And then she says, "Like, um, uh, actually, you say because you probably got it written down better than I have. It's quite important." No, yeah, well, she's getting her palms read by. Uh, a patient and then basically is it's basically the, the the reading was oh she's always falling for bad men and in general like men are bad for her i think was she or one scene of the married man and obviously she was like trying to get him to leave his wife yes so exactly. she's like yeah, look yeah, yeah. i can't i don't want to keep doing this unless you tell your wife yeah and she says if you cut she, you'll be offered some money and if you take it it'll end in tragedy yeah, yeah, and that's how. Um, and, and obviously, Nurse Adams is also at the uh, the process of trying to convince Billy to have this surgery because obviously he's a bit he's a bit scared and because the guy nervous. next to him died, didn't he? The guy ne- in the next bed died, um, and he's convinced he's either going to have a hideous scar or he's going to be he's going to die under the knife. So, um, so uh, yeah, so so Nurse Adams is out waiting for. Um, the the doctor guy mrs denham is going out with craig and the sitter comes in and nurse goes to see billy and then dr Mankham, on, so craig is sorry so the episode started with craig introducing himself to dr shaw and he's basically just getting the address to dr denham's house and she gave it to him willy-nilly and then he goes obviously to see laura who he obviously knows from melbourne Billy is still refusing to be operated, but the orderly, Dennis, is telling Billy that surgery is a good thing. And that is when Craig offers Laura a night in the town to kind of get to know the the city that they're in. Because obviously, I think he tried asking out one of the other um, residents, but she was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to really go out with you. I think he's asked like about three people out at this point. So then we find out that Billy's um, done a runner and he's calling someone. He's kind of this bit where he's like, come and get me. Um, and he doesn't want the op and he's kind of scared. And then he kind of like passes out. Um, and then Craig is out with Dr. Rothwell. Uh, no, that's not right. Dr. Rothwell's wife. Um, no, Craig and Laura. Craig and Laura are out. And then, oh yeah, doc- I said Craig is out with Dr. Rothwell. Dr. Rothwell is Craig. So um, Dr. Mann hasn't said anything to his wife yet, but nurse, but they're, they're kind of out together. And then he offers her a check. You don't get to find out how much, which is kind of annoying. But um, uh, he can't have been that much. She's ripping it up into small pieces. Yeah, I mean, I would have ripped it up into like two pieces, then put it in my pocket, and then set of tapes it back up later, just for you know, so I could do the gesture, but then still cash the money. So um, <laughs> uh, he so he tries to pay her up, but she kind of like doesn't take his money and walks away. Then back at home, Toby and his sitter are basically like kind of ha- having a party. Oh, there was Doctor Shaw who talks to Billy. And he's telling him about the operation and he's explaining the procedure. I think this is when he was saying, look, I'm going to treat you like a man. Yeah, you're going to be a man. You're gonna, this, is a, this is a man's decision. 
I'm going to tell yeah. you what's what. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not going to ask your parents. I'm going to ask you. And he explains to him that what he did made him need the the, the operation more urgently. Uh, and then so basically explains to Billy that he's like he says there's loads of people walking around. And he says a really funny thing here. Um, kind of made me laugh. He says he says well I die under you know in theatre. And he says no because if I thought you were going to die I'd get someone else to do the operation. I, I care about my reputation. No, because I think with um, doctors and surgeons they have like this thing where they don't want like a death on their record kind of thing. It kind of like blots their thing. So obviously they they will take surgery if they think it's, if it's like a smart play and they know for sure they can save someone's life, then they'll take the surgery. And obviously if it's a, a risky one where you're like, oh my God, oh, then... Yeah, you give it to someone else to, so they could chalk it up on their board instead. Or they um, don't do it at all. Yeah. So uh, Sitter goes to the... So then it cuts back to the, the um, uh, Toby and the Sitter says like, hey, listen, I'm going to go because my boyfriend's got a party going on. Are you going to be all right? Which you don't say to a like, you know, teenage kid or, you know, your young child, early teens kid. He's not an early teens child. He looks like he's seven, eight. He was, was he nine? Didn't they say he was nine or something like that? But anyway, yeah. that is, he's old enough to... He's not as young as Matilda. And so she goes, she, she does one. And then Craig and Toby... So Craig and Laura are um, at a hotel. They're going to stay that the night there. I assumed it was a hotel anyway. So Billy goes to theatre. Uh, Toby's home alone. Um, and in the morning, Billy's out of theatre and he wakes up. Uh, and then you see this, this bloke called Dr. Mason at this point who was at a party. And I said, probably the city's boyfriend, question mark. Um, then so Toby decides that he wakes up and there's no one at home. So he decides to go to the hospital he phones the hospital and says oh is my dad there yet and they said no but he knows that his dad's getting an early flight from new zealand and he'll be there shortly um so he goes walking to the hospital and then gets nailed by a land rover who doesn't stop and that was the end of the second episode i think and so dr denim is returning from new zealand wants to talk to his wife because it's toby's birthday but there's obviously no answer on the phone toby's rushed to hospital as it's a hit and run and Dr. Shaw, he's coming in and he wants to talk to Dr. Denim and he wants the tissue review committee to be scrapped. And Laura finally comes home after her night out, but she can't find Toby. She calls the babysitters like, yo, I don't paid you to look after my son. And you're like leaving. Like, how could you leave if you're a babysitter? How? If I, if I paid you, I hope she catches a case for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, she's furious that she left. And so she has no idea where Toby. She's like, Toby, Toby. She probably thinks he's still sleeping. And then Dr. Denim, he's coming to talk to the new um, interns at the uh, hospital. And Toby ends up needing surgery, but he has no idea. And Dr. Denim has to give permission but he has no idea he's like oh there's a, a kid he's just come in from hit and run and obviously he's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's kid go whatever do do what you have to do and then he obviously goes okay fine i'm gonna come down i'm gonna go have a look then he's like realizing it's his son find out he's got internal bleeding broken bones ruptured spleen and then he asks dr shaw to do the surgery because obviously he trusts him and craig not wasting any time, he's basically asking one of the interns out again. And Dr. Denim and the police are trying to figure out what happened. So the police are like, how the hell is he walking on the street and he's running? Dr. Denim's like, yeah, that's what I want to know. 
And then there's a, a lady coming in who um, tries to commit suicide because she, she loses the baby and then she has a go with her nurse going, you had no right to save me. Who do you think you are? And then Dr. Denim is asking Laura, what the hell happened? And she's like, oh, I, I, I had some sleeping pills and I overslept. Liar. And one of the interns is uh, shooting his shot and he's trying to ask Nurse Adams out. But she's like, um, nah, I don't really think so. And then uh, Nurse Adams is like to Craig, hey, I saw you that night in, um, that, in, in the club or whatever. You and Laura were, were out. And Dr. Shaw is saying, you know what? It could go either way with Toby. And Craig then finds out about Toby when he's at the bar. And he's thinking, I need to go back to the hospital. And Laura is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, this is all my fault. And obviously, Dr. Denham's like, it's not your fault. Don't be ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. But it's all was, though. Yeah. And Laura's trying to talk to Craig. And she basically wants to come clean. And Craig ends up leaving the bar and going back to the hospital. And that's how that episode ended. Yeah, that's all I watched. And I, t- I tell you what, it got better and better. And I think, like like I said, it was quite diff- it's quite difficult to take notes uh, for a uh, soap opera because it bounces to different storylines all the time. But, you know, just, just sitting there watching this show, it was like, it was, uh, like I said, it got better and better. So I was, I, I was quite impressed with this show, to be honest. I think the reason why I said soap operas is, is definitely more for uh, the ladies is because they're better at receiving information than we are. Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100% better, yeah. and that's why I always said I'd, I ideally would like uh, a woman on our pod to kind of give us that perspective and that point of view that we're never going to have, no matter, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> no matter what we do. Yeah, yeah, we'll just scribble and we'll, we'll cope as best as we can. There's, there's every chance that we've missed out bits in, in, in the episode. But we, we, we've done our best. And honestly, yeah, I really liked it. As you said, it got better and better. It was very gripping. It's a shame there weren't an episode four because I would have watched it. I, I am intrigued about what happens to Toby. Is he going to make it? It was his birthday as well. so Yeah, I know. We add the birthday and then, oh, my God, his dad's going to go and find out in the, you know, just by looking at him in the theater. It's like, no! Gonna... Yeah, that's what I was like, oh, he has no idea. And he's walking in. And... <laughs> oh, man, man, man. But no, this was this was a, 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 a really good show in its own right. And yeah, good, 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 good job, guys. Good job. Next, we're talking St. Elsewhere. And this came out in October 1982 and some of the things happening in the world. In Orlando, Florida, Walt Disney World opens its second theme park, Epcot Center, to the public for the first time. Helmut Kohl replaces Helmut Schmidt as Chancellor of Germany through constructive vote of no confidence. Sony launches the first consumer compact disc player. And First Blood, another Sylvester Stallone movie franchise was in the cinemas and Maneater by uh, Hall of Notes was in the charts that's two out of two today I do like Hall of Notes as well yeah I, I do like a bit of uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates is it I mean the names will escape me but yeah I mean this was kind of like uh, there was a game came out called Grand Theft Auto Vice City I'm not sure if uh, 
you're aware of it. But it I'm had, very it, it aware was, of it. It was entirely 80s soundtrack, right? Like proper licensed 80s tracks. And you could pick your radio stations in your car. And I used to listen to one called Flash FM, which is all the 80s pop. Uh, <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Daryl Hall, I think, was like the, the main guy. But obviously, I don't know what Oates did. But without Oates, there's no Hall and Oates. He's basically like, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel. But uh, an 80s version of 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 them now manny is a tune i like i like this one saint elsewhere so this was a american medical drama tv series created by joshua brand and john falsey the series was produced by mtm enterprises which had success with a similar nbc series the police drama hill street blues during that same time the series were often compared to each other for their use of ensemble casts and overlapping serialized storylines. Recognized for its gritty, realistic drama, St. Elsewhere gained a small yet loyal following, but it never ranked higher than 47th in the yearly Nielsen ratings over its six seasons. However, the series found a strong audience in the 18 to 49 age demographic. A young demo, later known for a young, affluent audience that TV advertisers were eager to reach. Set in the fictional St. Elgius Hospital, a decaying urban teaching hospital in Boston's South End neighborhood. The hospital's nickname, St. Elsewhere, is a slang term used in the medical field to refer to lesser equipped hospitals that serve patients turned away by more prestigious institutions. It is also used in medical academia to refer to teaching hospitals in general. And St. Elsewhere also broke new ground in medical dramas, creating a template that influenced ER, Chicago Hope, and other later shows in the genre. It also portrayed the medical profession as an admirable but less than perfect endeavor. The St. Elgius staff, while mostly having good intentions in serving their patients, all had their own personal and professional problems with the two often intertwining. The staff's problems and those of their patients were often contemporary in nature with storylines involving breast cancer, AIDS and addiction. Though the series dealt with serious issues of life, death, the medical profession and the human effects of all three, a substantial number of comedic moments, inside jokes and references to television history were included as well as tender moments of humanity. And some of the established actors were Ed Flanders, who played Dr. Donald Westfall. Tragically, he committed suicide in uh, 1994 or 1995. No. And he was only 60, which was such a shame. Because I think he was divorced and he had a, a really bad car accident. And he kind of suffered from depression from from that kind of point on. And it was one of those where, yeah, he ended ended his own life. Norman Lloyd played Dr. Daniel Auslander, who passed away just, I think, last month. And he was 106. That's a good innings, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah, William Daniels played Dr. Mark Craig. And... David Morse played uh, Dr. Jack Morrison, who's like one of the more popular characters. Afri Woodard played Dr. Roxanne Turner. Bruce Greenwood played Dr. Seth Griffin. Christina Pickles, who played Nurse Helen Rosenthal. And if you know, she is Ross's mum in Friends. Kyle Secor played Brett Johnston. 
Ed Beagley Jr. was Dr. Victor Elric. Stephen First was Dr. Elliot Axelrod. Dr. Wayne Fiskers was played by Howie Mandel. Mark Harmon was uh, Dr. Robert Caldwell. And, of course, Denzel Washington. Who knew, man? I was like, my first note is Denzel, you know? <laughs> yes, Denzel. <laughs> and he was in the credits and he was um, in the first episode. But he wasn't in the other episodes that I watched. But oh, I'm okay. sure, because obviously I think this was his uh, breakthrough role was uh, Saint Saint Elsewhere. I, I knew that he had a a breakthrough role in a medical show, but I didn't know what it was. And obviously now I'm I know it. across uh, it now. Yeah. And Saint Elsewhere was also known for its insertion of several allusions, large and small, to classic movie, pop culture and television events throughout its run, including other shows that were produced by MTM Enterprises. Some of the more noteworthy allusions have included the St. Elgius public address loudspeaker periodically summoned characters from other television series, often going unnoticed by the show's characters. That's like the coolest thing in the world. How are they doing that? And then the character, this was another really, really cool one. So the character of hospital orderly Warren Coolidge was carried over from the White Shadow where Coolidge had been a student at Carvet High. Okay, 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 okay. I said that was pretty cool. But honestly, I, 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 I stumbled across this episode. I watched this episode. This was like the single coolest thing in the world. So in the third se- season finale, it featured Dr. Westfall, Dr. Arshlander, and Craig visiting the pub of Cheers. They actually go to the Cheers pub (laughs) for a drink. And barmaid Carla was there and she was serving serving them. And she was obviously being like really belligerent and rude. And they mentioned that um, Coach and um, Sam Malone. Yeah, so they're like, oh, Sam and, and, and Coach are at the game. And then Norman walks in. And he's like, obviously, hey, everyone. And they're like, hey, Norman. <laughs> and he's and he's talking to the doctors. Honestly, this was like the coolest thing ever. And Carla also gave birth to a child at St. Elgius. And here expresses her displeasure about her hospitalization there. And even getting to a verbal altercation with Dr. Craig. The series also earned critical acclaim during its run. St. Elsewhere was ranked number 20 on TV Guide's 2002 list of the greatest TV shows of all time with the magazine also selecting it as the best drama series of the 1980s in a 1993 issue. In 2013, TV Guide ranked the series number 51 on its list of the 60 best series of all time. St. Elsewhere won 24 out of 106 award nominations. The series garnered 62 Primetime Emmy Award nominations, winning 13 of them. It's about one in four. Just about, so that's not too bad. Or maybe one in five. My maths is uh, correct. And out of the 13 wins, Ed Flanders won once. And William Daniels won twice for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Bonnie Bartlett and Doris Roberts each won for Outstanding Support Actresses in a Drama Series. James Coker won for Outstanding Support Actor in a Drama Series. John Macias and Tom Fontana won two awards for Outstanding Writing in a, for a Drama Series. And Mark Tinker won for Outstanding 
directing for a drama series. It received five Golden Globe Award nominations, with four of them for Best Television Series Drama. St. Elsewhere received seven TCA Award nominations, winning one for Outstanding Achievement in Drama. The series also won three out of four Q Awards. Additional accolades include a Peabody Award and People's Choice Award for Favourite New TV Dramatic Programme. And yeah, so let's talk about this this show. This is one of the shows that pff, I had no idea about. Literally, like, I was surprised to see Denzel Washington. Episodes are quite long, let's be honest. Um, but it was like, yeah, I could see so many like kind of little bits and pieces I've seen in um, quite a few old, other other dramas and stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like Scrubs was heavily influenced by this show. Um, there was a few like uh, I don't know I can't remember what the resident sorry the the like the chief medical guy name was but that was kind of like the Doctor Kelso character. Um, obviously he wasn't like moody and horrible in this, but it was like you could see that kind of um, similarity in the characters and stuff like that. I I thoroughly enjoyed the show. I thought it was I I thought it was really good. I only got to watch the one episode though. I'm just going to put that straight out there. So. Um, this was like kind of first impressions and I watched this last night because uh, I was kind of late on the draw. I had a busy week this week. Um, didn't have any. It wasn't work though. I went fishing and I caught a swan by mistake. Well, I say I caught a swan. A swan kind of fell into my line and it was a tangle and a struggle. And anyway, the swan was fine. We were fine. Okay, this was this was outstanding. I loved St. Elsewhere. I thought this was so, so good what this podcast is about discovering shows like this and and enjoying it it didn't bother me one iota that it was 45 minutes long no absolutely not an hour long some of the episodes it was just so so good it's just so enjoyable i love the theme song as well it was just really just sitting down you're watching it Maybe, yeah, initially, yeah, it, it was similar in the sense that you have to try and pick up the names and, and whatever. Yeah, but once you yeah. kind of got into that, which was like after five minutes, really, you could just kind of sit down and watch it. I'll talk about it when we do the episodes. There are going to be a couple that I'm going to go back to watch because they just seem like even even better episodes. And honestly, this was, yeah, this was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant and absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, you can talk about the pilot. My first note is Denzel, right? Second note is first 10 seconds are more diverse than all of the episodes of Young Doctors. Um, Why? Because so... they had the one black guy. No, like because they had the, the two, right? Denzel Washington's in it within the first like five minutes or so. They had the, uh, they had like two or three black people in the, um, in the first bit, just milling around or doing this and that and the other. Did you see even one in Young Doctors? I don't I think it's just like a whitewash. Um <laughs> I did. I did make a note that it, they. I liked how they started off with the time. So the first episode was like nine oh three p.m. and then it kind of goes for twenty four hours. I think there's another show that does this, and I think twenty four does it, um, where it shows the time. Um, and I'm sure there's another uh, another show that uses the time uh, all the way through the all of their episodes. So um, anyway, so basically it starts off this new doctor, and he's kind of working all hours. Um, he's coming from mates who d- he didn't even say he would cover for, but they put him in an awkward position. And he's kind of like, I think the point is about the first intro, and I think it 
does it quite well that is that he's a hard worker and he really cares like that's what i got from the um from the first bit the uh yes yeah, so his name is dr morrison he, he doesn't even tell him to get coffee like when he's about to get coffee this man stops breathing they're like dr morrison we need you and then and then he goes out and he gives like the worst cpr uh, in the whole world like uh, i said if that was real this man is a goner and it, well, it turns out that he was anyway but um uh then they kind of do this like bad chest pumping and uh he tells the doctors to carry on then enter denzel and he's kind of like i kind of got the impression that he was kind of the arrogant guy you know kind of getting everything done what whilst he he knew all the business but um but he you know practically he wasn't doing the job so dr morrison was doing a job and i didn't even write down dr morris dr denzel's name um he was william chandler william chandler uh, let me write that down so so basically um they're doing all the doctor's rounds, doctor's rounds with the chief medical guy. And he's just saying like, uh, and then Dr. Morrison's turns and he says, this woman may have dysentery. She went through this. And he basically knows it's thing. And my note then is it's like Scrubs, but it's serious. I think that Scrubs is definitely influenced by this show. And, you know, in terms of like, it's just a mock-up of it. Um, that's my impression. Uh, then a man comes in moaning uh, that he's like, this is like horrendously racist bit where the, the surgeon comes in. And he's moaning because he has an Indian, uh, uh, I can't say the word, anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist, that's the one. And then it kind of cuts to this other guy who's like Todd from Scrubs. And he has an infection and he gave it to this woman called Janice. And he also gave it to Donna. And yeah, and he's basically given this like infection to this, to the ladies he's been intimate with. Um, Dr. Morrison's still knocking about, he's still really busy. And as this is when I've written, there's lots going on, but it's just it's soap drama stuff. So it's hard to make notes about it because it will cut to one guy who's eating a sandwich and then talks about something. And then it will cut to something more important. Uh, and then a girl has so the girl that Dr. Morrison's treating, she hasn't um, she he scanned her liver just in case there was an abscess on it. And there was an abscess, uh, but he needs a parent's permission to get the biopsy. So Ben is the also oh, Ben's the guy that was um, spreading his diseases around. And, he, and then it cuts to him telling another woman. Um, Shirley, uh, and then it turns out he fell asleep on her, and then he has to speak to another woman. So he's, he's kind of this, I kind of, he kind of, he was a serious character, but they're trying to add a little comedy in him. But for me, that that kind of didn't work. Um, and then Dr. Morrison's talking to the surgeon, who he finds out that is already obtained, obtained permission to basically cut, yeah, Sandy. So he, he turns out that the surgeon is like already obtained permission to cut Sandy open to take the biopsy out. And then Dr. Morrison says, look, you can't do that because it might be parasites and you might spread it around and it might kill her. And the surgeon's, you know, getting his, like, his ruffled his feathers and uh, kind of having a bit of an argument. Um, and it turns out that Dr. Morrison was right. She doesn't need surgery. She could be treated medically instead. Uh, then th there's this resus moment with this bomb victim and uh, the STD man, Ben, is taking the lead on that and he's kind of trying to fix her. Uh, Sandy's mum is moving daughter over in the hospital, hospital, but Dr. Morrison isn't happy about it. It's like you said before, where St. Elsewhere isn't the best hospital and they want to take her to a more reputable place. Wayne and Kathy meet on the steps, but they're very different people. He's kind of like a more outgoing person. She's more of an introvert and into her books. He asks her out and it's a very weird scene, but I think that's it's meant to be weird. Um, then in the surgery room... Um, they play Bruce Springsteen, uh, "Born to Love," and uh, yeah, I love that 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 song. So, Is it "Born to Love" or "Born to Run"? I'll, I've wrote "Love" this song. It's "Born to Run." Yeah, sorry, <laughs> my notes are a bit mixed up there. Um, so, um, 
woman looking for patient turns out he died. Oh yes, yeah, so this woman's looking for a patient for the most of the um say so this woman, this doctor is looking for her patient. Um for most of the episode. And it turns out he died and he's the one that um uh that Dr. Morrison was trying to give CPR to at, at the beginning. He's like, Oh, I know where he is, come follow me. And he kind of pulls out the, the morgue, the uh drawer where they keep the bodies and he's in there. Um the surgeon is unhappy about something else. Um, he said the hospital is rubbish and he wants to go on the camera to raise money for the hospital. Uh, Dr. Morrison goes back into the room to talk to his patient, Sandy, before she goes to another hospital and she says she's not leaving. And then Dr. Morrison says, like, you know, you got to do kind of do what your parents want. They're doing it because they love you, et cetera, et cetera. Wayne and Kathy are in a morgue having a little track, chat. And then I'm not sure if you noticed this, if, um, but she looked crazy. Like just looking into her eyes, she looked like, proper crazy um they kiss and there's kind of dead people on trays everywhere and then she's like you know come onto this tray and you know lay down with me kind of thing and yeah weirdest scene ever really crazy um then dr morrison has had enough and a woman co woman comes in to apologize and he tears her to pieces i was like <laughs> i'd have been like um i didn't come in to say sorry i'll leave you alone but um then um uh doctor walks out sees doctor Mar okay so yeah so this is right the end so basically he he has a breakdown basically saying like this is too much for me but then the senior doctor's kind of walking out and about to go home and he kind of goes past sandy's room and she's asleep and then uh the doctor morrison's asleep at the bottom of her bed and that's the end of the first episode like, like i said a lot going on it's really hard to to do the notes but and uh obviously mark yeah I, i'm sure you mentioned that he wants the publicity for the hospital and doesn't want it to be known as saint elsewhere and he and, and he wants to be the face of the campaign and dr cavanero yeah she was one that had a go at jack and obviously he's like he hates being the doctor and how the patient just kind of gets taken away from him obviously he had a clash with the surgeon about the best way to operate because obviously the surgeon's like cut 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 whereas doctors want to treat and do yeah, all those I mean, things they have this thing in scrubs when it's like uh Turk versus JD, right? Like the surgeons versus the doctors. doctors yeah. Like you said, doctors want to treat medically and surgeons want to cut you open and take it out. Right. Okay. So, um, I didn't watch this episode, but, uh, this was a very interesting episode. And, um, yeah, there were a couple of episodes that had like, yeah, unusual aspects or significant changes. And this was from season two. And the episode was called, Qui transdelit sustinet, which is Latin, and what it basically means is he who brought he who brought us across still supports us, and he is meaning God, and it's also the state motto of Connecticut. And obviously, this is about when uh, Doctor Morrison he learns of the death of his wife Nina, who he had an argument with midway through the previous episode, and that was the last time he saw her alive because she slipped and she hit her head. And Nina's heart is donated to a heart transplant patient who's a patient of Dr. Craig. And the poignant final scene of the episode is Jack entering the patient's room and with the stethoscope, he hears the patient's new heart or his wife's heart steadily beating. You can't do that, can you? Yeah, why not? What, take someone's heart and use it for someone else? Yeah. I'm not talking about ethically. I'm thinking, is it possible to do that medically? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, you just have to take anti-rejection pills for the rest of your life. See, I knew there was a catch. 
And uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Okay, yeah. So the episode I watched, season three, was Cheers. And okay, let me get my notes out for this episode. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a bit of a a twofer. So like proper notes versus my notes. So yeah, the day starts at four fifty-five p.m. And Doctor Westfall is feeling a bit sad about his daughter, and she can't come home for the holidays, and he can't go and see her. He's talking to a shrink and he's talking about a dream that he had about his son, Tommy. And he's really getting into the story. But time is up. And Warren wants to get a rabbit for the children's ward for Easter. And Mark is reminding Westfall about being alone for Easter. And he's like, why don't you just hang out with me instead of going out somewhere? And then there's like this uh, man who kind of comes out of nowhere. And he's trying to tell everyone that he's Jesus. So he's like, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. And he's like, I'm from uh, Bethlehem. And I think what he said was, I'm from Bethlehem, New Hampshire. And I was thinking, oh, are you from Bethlehem, the Holy Land? He's like, no, I'm from Bethlehem, New Hampshire or something. <laughs> or something like that, which uh, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. And Mrs. Arschlander, the wife of Dr. Arschlander, she's having chest pains. And she's thinking maybe it's a heart attack. But Mark is saying that they might have to do major surgery to replace her aortic valve. But because she's quite old, it's a risk. And it's around about Easter time. And it's also like Passover as well. And the hospital's getting a rabbi for Cedar, which kind of gets the doctors talking about religion. And obviously, it's one of them saying, you know, I'm Jewish. This is what I believe. So and so on. I'm Christian. I'm Catholic. And everyone's all trying to talk about their religion. Mark, it gets a, an invite to see his old mentor, Dr. Domidian. And Mrs. Auslander is encouraging Daniel to go to Cedar instead of just hanging out here in the hospital. And the rabbi is basically telling the children the story of Moses and Pharaoh for Passover. And the kids are excited because they might be drinking wine. And so it's like, now can we drink the wine? And the rabbi's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Let me finish the story. And then, and then so on, so, so, so. Now can we drink the wine? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up. And Mark and, uh, and he takes Victor, Dr. Elric, to go see Dr. Tamidian. And he can't remember who Mark was. And he has to use a wheelchair. And so the Messiah man, as I've kind of called him now, he goes outside and obviously he's trying to do the whole, I am the chosen one and I can help you all if you follow me. And then obviously he's finds himself with uh, like poor people on the streets. And they're like, oh, okay, if you're the Messiah, why, why haven't I got a roof over my head? Why can't I have a meal? Make it happen for me right now. Give me all of those things right now if you're if you say who you are. And obviously he's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do all of those things. And so unfortunately he ends up getting attacked by all of those people. Then they go so Daniel Westfall and Mark, they basically go to have a drink. He's like, Oh, let's just go, let's go have a drink or whatever. And obviously they're in the cheers bar. And Carla's like, hey, everybody, it's those 
losers from Saint Elsewhere. And everyone's like, boo. And then Norman walks in, he's like, hey, everybody. Hi, Norman. And this is like, cheers. And Saint Elsewhere, this was so exciting, man. And he's trying to talk to the doctors. And obviously the doctors are, and I think Norman is the accountant for one of the doctors. So you see how this is all intertwined and interwoven with each other. It's so cool. And obviously they're like, look, just get out of here. We're trying to have a quiet drink. And obviously they're like, yeah, Sam and coach are at the the Boston Celtics game because I think they're in the playoffs. And obviously Mark is like complaining about, I was like, the women of today. No geniality. They're all like Carla or whatever. And Westfall is basically talking about his dad and his son. And the mailman in Cheers, he's trying to get the doctor's attention, but they bat him away. And I was like, oh, hey, 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 Doc. I got I got this uh, little problem with uh, with my arm. Why don't you uh, have a look at it uh, and, and all of that. And Westfall is like, because the, the rabbi was like, you have to, one of the things that he was saying was you have to appreciate life for what it is and you have to be more reflective. And obviously Dr. Westfall is thinking, hmm, that's, 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 that's quite deep. I, I, I'm, I'm taking that to heart. And then he decides that, you know what, I'm going to leave. I'm going to up and leave and I'm going to hand in my resignation. And so Messiah Man is rushed to hospital he was uh, severely beaten and found crucified. He's got a collapsed lung and severe blood loss. And also Dr. Oshlander is having her surgery as well. And Dr. Westfall is talking to Jack and he's basically telling Jack, look, I'm leaving. And obviously Jack's like, why, why do you want to leave? What's, what's happening? You would tell me if you're unhappy, why don't you try and um, figure it out? But he's like, look, I need to leave. I need to get out of here. And obviously throughout this episode, Daniel was Dr. Oshlander or Daniel was worrying about death the whole time because he's quite old. He's quite sick. And his wife, who was, you know, on the other side of it going, you know what? Look, if my time comes, my time comes. Don't be afraid. And he's talking to his wife. And so he's like, look, I still fear death a little bit, but I feel a lot better because of how you make me feel. And then Mark goes back to see Dr. Domidian and he's trying to explain his day. And then in the end, you see Dr. Domidian, he remembers who Mark is and Dr. Westfall. And obviously throughout, there's an Easter egg hunt. And obviously you have to look for the golden egg. Dr. Westfall is packing up his things. He takes one final look at the hospital and leaves and he finds the golden Easter egg. I think the merger of Cheers was a a regular thing. So it did kind of create some discontinuity with the second season finale and Dr. Morrison and his son are spending a day on the town and they visit the real world Bull and Finch pub and the banners out front celebrating it as the inspiration for, for Cheers. And in an ER, an episode at the end of season four, a patient mentions an assault by a waitress who is likely Carla. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, a significant episode was a moon for the misbegotten. So St. Elgius is saved, but it falls under new ownership of 
Ecumena Corporation, and it's a national managed healthcare concern. And the use of Ecumena garnered some real life controversy as Humana thought the use of that name sounded too much like its own. The trademark infringement lawsuit that ensued prompted NBC to begin airing post-episode disclaimers stating that Ecumena was indeed fictional and to change the corporate name mid-season to Weigart. And Time Heals, this looks like a brilliant, brilliant episode. So this is a two-part episode and it features storylines that fleshed out the 50-year history of St. Elgius. Each sequence taped in a different style, i.e. black and white for the 1930s settings, muted colours for the 1940s. The storyline includes the hospital's 1936 founding by by FR. I wonder what FR stands for. Joseph Macabre and the arrivals of Dr. Oshlander and Nurse Rosenthal in the early stages of Mark Craig and his relationship with his mentor and the death of Dr. Westfall's wife and Dr. Morrison simultaneously dealing with an overdose patient a knee injury and disappearance of his son and TV guide ranked time heals number 44 on its 1997 list of hundred greatest episodes of all time, calling the episode a masterwork of dramatic writing. That's an episode I definitely want to go back and watch. And then the finale, which was called the last one. It starts off with a plane or a part of a plane crashing into the hospital. Lots of uh, changes are taking place in the hospital. Dr. Seth is concerned that uh, he might be HIV positive. And we learn that Dr. Fiscus and Dr. Morrison, so Wayne and Jack, are leaving. And Dr. Fiscus has to treat his last patient and finding her partner. as She has a, a, a broken voice and she's a, an opera singer. And then all of a sudden he's dealing with man that's got chest pains, Mark's wife. So we've, we learn about Mark's wife and she's offered a job at a Good Samaritan hospital in Cleveland. Seth's blood test comes back negative. So he's not, he hasn't, he's not HIV positive. And we see that Warren is basically trying to run after someone who's a missing patient. And Dr. Fiscus is trying to treat the Viking lady with the voice and he's reminiscing about his past and the last year of residency. Mark doesn't want his wife to go to Ohio. And he's like, look, we just got our relationship back on track. Why you want to go and ruin it? And Jack is inspired by medicine improving over the years. So he's talking about, oh, this is a, a really good innovation about medicine and, 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 and things of that nature. He's kind of got a relationship with one of the doctors in the hospital, but he's also got a, a wife in Seattle. So he has to kind of choose. So he decides to go to his wife in Seattle. So that's how he leaves. And Daniel is, is, is vowing to fight for the hospital no matter what. And Mark is making a call to Good Samaritans about his wife. And he's basically trying to blackball his own wife, which is... Uh, I don't know why you'd want to go and do that. And Daniel and Luther, they're basically talking about the future. And Daniel's like, look, I know I'm kind of old, but he's like, one of the things, the, the shame is that I'm not going to see how medicine improves over the years. 
I, I'm not long for this world. But Luther's like, you know what? I want you to be there for my graduation. At least be there for my graduation. And obviously Daniel's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And Wayne is telling Jack about his last everything. So he's like, oh, it's my last patient. It's my last day. It's my last coffee. It's my last this. And they both receive presents from the other doctors. And Jack leaves with his son. And he's got a cap that says, I survived St. Elsewhere. And then they're having a, a group hug. And then a code blue. And Jack and Pete leave the hospital. But Wayne is like, uh, yeah, okay, let me do one code blue for the road sort of thing. And Wayne ends up saving the guy's life. And Mark wants to know what, because Victor was away for a long time and he wants to know what Victor's been up to. And obviously Victor's like, hey, um, congratulations for getting back together with your wife. You know, don't mess it up this time. And Luther's going into Daniel's office and he finds out that Daniel's unresponsive. And we learn that Daniel passed away with a massive stroke. Warren finally finds his guy. And we see that Dr. Westphalen makes a return to the hospital with his son, Tommy, who is severely autistic. And he was initially invited by Daniel to try and save the hospital and the, the campaign. And Mark confesses to his wife about trying to blackball her. And he says, look, I'm really, really sorry for doing that. And he's like, listen, if you want to go to Cleveland, then I'm all in. She's like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm all in. Let's, let's go to Cleveland. Let's, let's, let's start again, sort of thing. And Dr. Westphalen, he's given a speech remembering uh, Daniel. And Luther is taking charge of all of Daniel's patients. And Mark is telling Dr. Westphalen about moving to Cleveland. Wayne just can't seem to leave. And obviously they're like, look, go home. You, you, it's over. Like you, You've had a great run. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to leave until the fat lady sings. And then the opera lady belts out a, a note and he's like, yep, that is my uh, key to go. And so the, 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 the final scene is basically it goes like um, it, it's, a, it, it's like a flashback where Dr. Westfall is talking to his father and he's like, look, I don't understand this autism thing. Here's my son. I talk to him. I don't even know if he can hear me because he sits there all day long in his own world, staring at that toy. What is he thinking about? And yeah, like when Tommy came into the office, he was just basically smashing everything up. Like he had this ball. He just lunges it to the other side of the room, just smashes everything up. And Tommy is basically shaking the snow globe that he has in his hand. And his uh, dad is basically telling him, look, you need to come wash your hands for dinner. And Donald, or Dr. Westfall, he places the snow globe on the family television set and he walks into the kitchen with Tommy. And uh, they leave the room and the camera closes in on the snow globe and it's a replica of St. Elgius. And that's how it ended. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant ending. The most common interpretation of the scene is that the entire series of events in the series and elsewhere had been a product of Tommy Westfall's imagination with elements of the above scene used as its own evidence. Author Cynthia Burkhead explains that with this final shot, St. Elsewhere managed to take the idea of a dream 
and alter it just enough, putting it in the imagination of an autistic boy and surmises that an ending constructed in this manner reminds viewers that the fiction that they have watched for six years is actually fiction within a fiction, occupying a second level of unreality, one level beyond the space of illusion filled by all narrative television. And a notable result of this ending had been the attempt by individuals to determine how many TV shows are also products of Tommy Westfall's mind, owing to its shared fictional characters, the Tommy Westfall universe. And the last one brought in 22.5 million viewers, ranking seventh out of 68 programs that week and attracting a 17.029 rating share and ranking as the most watched episode of the series. In 2011, the finale was ranked number 12 on the TV Guide Network special, TV's Most Unforgettable Finales. What a show, man. What a show. I like, I, I was like astounded to hear some of the stuff, you know, you're going through all of these um, massive plot lines and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, I only watched one episode, but I still absolutely loved it. So I think that if anyone starts to watch this, they will fall in love with the show. Yeah. And it's all on um, on all four, the entire series. So I would, I would, you know what? Go out of your way and watch this. Really and truly, go out of your way to watch Saint Elsewhere. This is absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love this show. I loved the, the themes. I loved the the connection with Cheers, and it's set in Boston, so. Go to the Cheers bar for a drink. It's amazing. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think anyone that fancies a watch, like I said, it's like sorry, like you said, it's on uh, it's on all four. A couple of adverts to watch, and I, I'm not sure about you, but I, I only had to watch one episode, one set of adverts per episode as well. So it was like straight in. I didn't have to watch. It didn't interrupt it halfway through, which is great. Well, what I tend to do is I will get watch all the adverts first and then watch it without adverts at all so wherever there's like a little line you can kind of click on that and then it'll be adverts and then you should be able to watch it all uninterrupted. through without, yeah, uninterrupted without adverts finally now we come on to children's ward and this show first came out in march 1989 and some of the things happening in the world poland begins to liberalize its currency exchange in a move towards capitalism Time Inc. and Warner Communications announce its plans for a merger forming Time Warner or Warner Media. Iran breaks off diplomatic relations with the United Kingdom over Salman Rushdie's The Satanic Verses. Police Academy 6, City Under Siege was in the cinemas. And Belfast Day by Simple Minds was in the charts. I got two out of three. I don't know this song, I don't think. Yeah, I don't either. And it's nowhere near as good as Don't You Forget About Me, so... Don't you forget about me. Yeah. Any excuse to mention that song and The Breakfast Club, which is one of the most amazing films. I love that film so much. Children's Ward now. So it was, it was a show. It was retitled The Ward. And it's a British TV children's television drama series produced by Granada and broadcast on CITV and the program was set in Ward B1, the children's ward of the fictitious South Park Hospital 
known as Sparkies, and told the stories of the young patients and the staff there. It was aimed at older children and teenagers. Children Ward was a long-lived series for children's drama, and it originally started life in 1988 as a contribution to the Dramarama anthology strand Blackbird Singing in the Dead of Night. Um, so yeah, the series was conceived by writers Paul Abbott and Kay Meller, both of whom went on to enjoy successful careers as award-winning writers of adult television drama. At the time, they were both working on the soap opera Coronation Street and had recently collaborated on a script for Dramarama. Abbott, who had been through a troubled childhood himself, had initially wanted to set the series in a children's care home rather than a hospital, but this was vetoed by Granada execs. And during the course of its run, Children's Ward had won many plaudits for covering difficult issues such as cancer, alcoholism, drug addiction, and child abuse in a sensitive manner. The program won many awards, including in 1997, a BAFTA Children's Award for Best Drama, won by an episode in which a serial killer lures children to him via the internet and is highly unusually for children's television not eventually caught and welsh tv producer russell t davis was the show's producer and writer of several episodes from 92 to 95 obviously if you know doctor who russell t davis was part of that show and the decision to end children's ward came in mid 2000 after the transmission of the final series and ironically came as the sole original cast member rita may who played auxiliary nurse mags said she had no plans to leave the show so children's ward did you watch this as a kid i saw it on citv and i used to see it on and i'd heard of it but i'd never really watched it no i'd never heard of this show um Aren't you the big CITV guy as well? Yeah, it's funny that they vetoed. Um, you said that they vetoed the uh, children's care home thing because Tracy Beaker, what a massive hit that was, right? And <laughs> it was on the BBC. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about this. This was kind of a nothing show for me. What? Um, it was. It wasn't that good for me. What? I, I didn't enjoy it that much. What? <laughs> what? What? Um, I mean, I watched a couple of episodes, but I mean, I was done by that as well. Like, uh, I was clock watching in this one. It, uh, the one weird thing about this, no, I don't talk about it in the episodes, but um, it certainly has some good moments in it. It wasn't all boring, but it wasn't uh, wasn't my favorite show. Wow. I mean, I I really like this. I thought this was great. I thought this this is like like I said at the beginning. This is royalty. This is like. OG British classic TV shows. This is, I thought this was really, really good. They told some really good stories. It's obviously regional because it's set in Manchester somewhere. It's good hearing the regional accents. Yeah, but it wasn't that good though. Yeah, it was. It won awards. It won a BAFTA. So, it won plenty of awards. Look at how many films have won Oscars and are absolute trash. I'd say like 90% what? of films. Like all of them. Apart from Forrest Gump, so. if 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 films win Oscars, that I means mean, it's Gravity well... won. Gravity won Oscars. That I'm was sure worse. Gravity film. was a good film. Rubbish film. Then I'm sure it it won Razzies as well. Then if it was so bad, 
Anyway, this is like this. Point is, this was critically acclaimed <laughs> for a reason. It ran <laughs> from like 1989 it. to 2000, so it spanned three decades. Yeah, but I was surprised when you told me that because I don't remember. Numbers don't, remember don't lie. At all. The only problem I had was BritBox. BritBox is a con. Why? They con you. If 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 you're telling me you've got Children's Ward, don't just tell me you've got season one. And you haven't got the rest. Where the hell season two, three, four, five? This show went on to the year two thousand. Y'all telling me you can't get me those episodes? Yeah, what the hell? considering it's five ninety nine a month as well. That's not cheap. That's like sixty. So if it's five ninety nine a month, then you better give me five ninety nine a month worth of programs. If yeah, you go I on mean... all four, they've got everything for you. Whatever programs they have for the show, for example, Malcolm in the Middle, they've got all the episodes of Malcolm in the Middle. You can really? go on all four. Yeah, all four is all there. Remember we did Freaks and Geeks? They had every single everything episode there. there. Yeah, yeah. Saying elsewhere, they've got everything there. The in-betweeners, they've got everything there. But you go on um, BritBox, there's like little bits missing. Little bits missing here and there. Like, no. If you're going to have this show, have all of it. And one bugbear about BritBox as well is it doesn't support picture-in-picture. Picture. So... If you want to back out and make some notes, like I was watching, um, long story short, the TV was being taken up by Toy Story. Um, and um, I was using my phone to watch um, Children's Ward and tried to back out, you know, you know, press the home button, back out, make some notes or whatever. Nothing. Closes it down. Um, yeah, that was annoying. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not even just Children's Ward. It's like all the other shows... It's not just one series for all of the shows. You can't just tell me to, oh, enjoy Children's Ward, but only give me one season. Where the, where the, where's the rest? I think, I think yeah, I thought it was a, a massive um, a massive con. Because obviously BritBox, they want to say, oh, look, we want to have one place for all of the favorite, all of your fave British classics and all of the movies and, 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 and things of that nature. And you know, that's all well and good. But... Don't don't leave things out, and it's it's buggy as well. So when you go to like, if you stop an episode, like for example, Only Fools and Horses is on there, right? The whole lot. So when you is stop, it? yeah, uh, minus one one or two specials, I think Heather um, Diamonds Are for Heather's not on there, and one other, I think. Um, but when you stop, say if you you know because you it's one of those shows you can leave running all day, right? So you'll start episode, say episode one, you finish episode six and then you, you're like, okay, I'll come out of that and I'll turn the TV or whatever. When you go back, it will start episode one again. And it was like, no, I was still watching. Oh, you know, I'd watched up until this point. Anyway. Um, yeah, that was annoying. I, I, was, I had a point, but I've forgotten it. It, look, it wasn't bad. Just wasn't that good either for me. Well, um, yeah, for you make that very clear. This was, <laughs> This was critically acclaimed. It's got Russell T. Davis's name on it. So you know this program ain't playing around. Yeah, like I said, it's won all these awards. It's been critically acclaimed. It, it ran for how many years? A lot of people watched it. This was like, I said, CITV royalty. This is like OG CITV. So I, I'm pretty sure when I remember when I was a kid, by like five o'clock, we wouldn't be, yeah, five o'clock, everything would be done. So we wouldn't watch anything that used to come on beyond five o'clock. So whether it was Children's Ward or Press Gang, we wouldn't watch those kind of shows because it was 
a bit above our kind of pay grade. And by five o'clock, you're like, oh, I want to go outside and play now a little bit before before it's time for dinner and it's time for bed. I want to try and get some uh, garden action in. So that was the, the reason why I probably didn't watch this as a kid. But no, let's talk about episodes. You can right, so kick I watched, off with the pilot. Yeah, I watched the first two episodes. Um, All right, then go ahead with the first two. Well, here we go. Right, so a woman in the house and there's loud music and then a girl tries to sneak out to go to Birmingham, to go to a concert. Her name is Fiona. She runs off, and within the first two minutes of the episode, she gets nailed by this car, who again just drives off. One weird bit about this whole thing, right, is that it shows an inside picture of her on top of the car. With her eyes wide open. And no facial and, injuries. And that's going to that's gonna be very significant. Oh, okay. Um, right. Okay, you can explain this bit later. And... So, yeah, I mean, my theory was to show that it was the girl that did the stunt, but um, obviously there's more to it than that. Um, so she gets rushed to South Park General Hospital. Then it goes to the children's ward of this hospital, and Wayne, this little kid that's broken his arm, has to go home. Uh, a girl called Tiffany comes in, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is makeup or not, but she's white as a sheet. She is, like, very nearly see-through. Um and she, as I said, I hope that's makeup, but she's there anyway. She's there to have her appendix out. Um, and a girl talks to her and says that she's in for brain surgery, but not really. It's just for tests. And her name is Keely. Fiona has broken her arm, uh, but and, and she's still unconscious. And she's a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, her well, that's kind not of... just it. She's got a, a fractured skull, lots of bruises. And yeah, she's obviously still she's, yeah, unconscious. She, she's, she's unconscious. Um, her mum's in there. Um, then it goes back to the ward and Tiffany goes to play something or is it goes to this like playroom place kind of thing. Uh, and Ben is this little boy and he's going to introduce everyone to them. And a boy's in bed and he's like sulking and his name's Billy. He's really bitter because he can't get up and play with everyone. Do you recognise Billy? Uh, no, but I did think he looked like Buzz from um, Home Alone. He reminded me of Buzz. He looks nothing like Buzz from Home Alone, and that is Tim Vincent, who ended up sell- who ended up hosting Blue Peter. Ah, yeah, he hasn't changed a bit, has he? <laughs> looks exactly the same. Uh, right, so this is where I said Fiona looks like a right state. Mum is blaming herself. Then this girl and the boy—I've forgotten their names. I did write it down later. It's uh, Alex and Dawn, two little kids in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alex and Dawn are in the lift, and they've got press this. Do you know who Alex reminds me of? You no. remember School of Rock? Fancy Pants. Yeah. He reminds yes. me of Fancy Pants Absolutely, in School of Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, complete, yeah I, I see you there. Um, so they've got to do this thing where they've got to press all the... Uh, <laughs> they've got to do this thing where they're pressing the buttons on the lift in a certain like, order. I want to be the band stylist. Sure you can, Fancy Pants. <laughs> I like it as he said, he comes in with like with a glitter and the thing. And he's like, no. So they're playing with the lift and basically they... Um, have to press it in order and anyway they're playing in the lift and they shouldn't be it's naughty turns out that uh keely has got hepatitis c from a bad tattoo uh billy's lonely the girl and the boy in lift and he's getting fed up with her anyway they break the lift and it stops uh then they have to rush fiona to um intensive care so they're moving her from the like casualty to intensive care when they get to the lift the lift's broken and she starts to kind of have breathing difficulties and they have to kind of rush her to the other side of the hospital and get up some different stairs and um 
anyway, they 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 make it so she can she stabilizes again, and then Doctor Woods is a woman, and she goes ballistic at these kids who um because she helped stabilize Fiona, uh, and through the episodes, the um the Doctor on the ward, he's or is he in, is he like chief nurse, right? Dave, I think it is, isn't it? Dave is yeah looking for Doctor Woods, and he's like, oh, where is he? Where is he? Yeah, it turns out Doctor Woods is a woman. And she's not happy about it. Then this woman, this I didn't like this bit, right? And I think it's like, have you seen Alan Partridge? Do you know when he's uh, talking to the South African guy? And he says, no, Alan, you can't, right? But in a South African accent. And then obviously it sounds like something else in a South African accent. And Alan says, there's no need for that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, this, this, this nurse comes in and tries to give, Fiona's mama cup of tea, you know, like calm down, sugary tea, and all this and everything. She bashes her on the floor, and I was like, "No need." Well, her, her, her baby's, you know, in hospital. What do you expect? Yeah. But throwing a cup of tea on the floor is not going to help anything. Anyway, so this is where you say Look, we have to wait and see. She's twenty-four hours, and she's critical. Uh, straight into episode two was uh, first minute for a recap. Student nurse is getting a briefing. He makes a mistake and hurts Billy. He drops his leg on him. And then he, uh, Billy, to get his own back, he takes a nil by mouth uh, sign away from um, Tiffany. There we go. Right. Um, so then um, Fiona's still in a coma. Mum wants, she wants her hopes to be raised, but the doctors are like, listen, no, <laughs> this is this literally could go either way. Um, and then Dr. Watson, um, <laughs> literally wrote Dr. What's the name? Uh, Dr. Woods is doing a report at the beginning of the show, and anyway, so, um, I think her report gets knocked in the bin. Um, she's looking for her report, but the nurse has given it to uh Dawn for her paper mache project. And it turns out that Alex was shot in the eye. I thought that was quite um, he's because he's wearing an eye patch, and I was like, and then it turns out he got shot in the eye, uh, and he's like, yeah, it don't matter because it's an accident. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be that cool if someone shot my eye out. Uh, someone gave milk to Tiffany, so now she can't, so the student nurse gave milk to Tiffany, and now she can't have her operation. She has to wait another day. Uh, the little girl used the report to make a paper mache balloon. Uh, the nurse has given it to a bin. It wasn't her fault, but everyone's in the mood about it. Uh, no one knows when Fiona will come out of a coma. Mum talks to her, says sorry, Fiona. Uh, Fiona said in a coma. At the end of episode two. So my notes were very basic there. That was because I was half supervising a child watching Toy Story. Cool. So I'm intrigued now, though. I'm intrigued to know what the uh, close-up of her face was all about. Well, we'll get to that shortly. So I went all the way to episode seven, and obviously it's a recap of Billy, Darren, and Ben. They sneak out of the hospital. They go to the the fun fair, and they manage to sneak back in. But Billy's drunk, and he's making lots of noise, and. All the others, like the kids, uh, they notice that George, one of the little kids, is missing. And the doctors, they are at the fun fair as well. And they go to see George at the... There's a caravan park there. And they manage to get to him. Darren is having breathing problems because he's been moving around too much. And he's asthmatic. And the doctors are all trying to say, oh, where the hell have you been? How come you're so worked up because you're not meant to be walking around too much you're meant to be taking it easy and they discover they find that billy has got alcohol and they're and dr woods and dave they're talking about last night fiona's still in intensive care and ben is basically talking to keely about where they went last night and doctors are basically telling darren that you need to relax 
because you're asthmatic. And Billy's dad tries to talk to Billy about his drinking. And the doctors are trying to talk to George about his dad. And he only talks to Darren. And I think one of them was like, just says the police, just by name. And then George runs away because he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want the um, police getting involved. And Keely is basically, and Billy are winding each other up. And Billy basically is like, yeah, you're a slag. And he's, and Keely's like, don't call me that. Otherwise, I'm going to tell everybody about where you went last night. And Fiona's mum is talking to a local reporter. And she's getting in touch with Bruno Brooks. I'm not quite sure who Bruno Brooks is. I don't know if he's a real celebrity. I've just had a guess, though. Is her eyes open and she sees the driver? Watch this space. Watch this space. Bruno Brooks. Hmm. Apparently he's a radio DJ, but apparently yeah, Fiona's a big, big fan of him. And yeah, the local reporter's like, I'm going to try and get Bruno Brooks to come and have a word with Fiona and try and see if there can be encouragement. Ben has to lose weight, so he's on an exercise bike. And apparently he's put on more weight because obviously he was at the fun fair stuffing his face with chocolate. And Ben and Darren are like, obviously Billy, they think Billy is um, their friend. They're like, he's not our friend. He just used us. And now look, we're, we're in so much trouble. I can't breathe. You're too fat. We, 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 we got problems. And Ben and Darren over here about Bruno books. And obviously Dave was like, let's keep it quiet because we don't want this traveling like wildfire too late. Everybody already knows. And the hospital is getting really excited about Bruno Brooks. And I like how Tiffany goes, I'm going to get my mom to, to get my camera so I can get a picture. How hard it must have been to take pictures back in the day. But they used to mean something, though, didn't they? Yeah, because you had to wait to, for him to get developed and everything. Like It was expensive. You had to buy the film. You had to pay for them to get developed and everything else. Never mind how oh. much bleeding camera costs. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because cameras were still very much a thing, even when I was living in Egypt in 2008. Yeah, like, it, before, like, it must have been probably, what, iPhone 3G, 4, before the, the pictures got better than, like, a digital yeah. camera well, could be, you know? Oh, it's got more pixels or whatever. Now, like, yeah. a normal iPhone has as much good pixels as your camera, so... Uh, don't need it. No, you don't. And Dawn, the little girl... She finds Billy's... She's looking for a drink. And obviously, this could have gone really, really horrible. She's, like, looking around for a drink. She takes a swig of Billy's big Coke bottle. She spits it out. She's like, oh, what is this? And then, obviously, one of the nurses, like, smells it. And she's like, this is alcohol. This is Billy's. And so Dave is kind of talking to Billy about his drinking problem and saying, look, you need to get this fixed. Otherwise, this could be a, a major, major problem. Episode 13, and Fiona is now awake from her coma. And she starts to remember little bits of, of the accident. And her mom is trying to use it as an opportunity to fix the relationship. She's like, look, we've, we always used to argue and row. Maybe this is a good opportunity for us to start again. And it's Alex's birthday, and he thinks everyone has forgotten. 
He's like, look, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. And then obviously everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Happy birthday, yay. And Dr. McEwen, who I think is the chief, he's taking early retirement and he just kind of announced it out of the blue. And Keely is basically talking to Dr. Woods and they find out that she's got uh, an eating disorder and they might have to put her on the drip. And she's like, look, I don't want that. I don't want that. And she's thinking that everybody hates her for, for, for whatever reason. And then Alex is basically complaining to Ben and Darren about his birthday. And he's like, nobody's even saying many happy returns. And obviously they, and then and then Ben and Darren are like, many happy returns, Alex. And he's like, yeah, only because I said it. Like, shut up. And Keely's mum comes to the hospital and Keely's just basically lashing out at her mum going, you always bring these different kind of men over to the house. They never stay. They treat me and you like dirt. And they cause so much trouble. And Dr. Woods is like, you know what? You both need to talk to the uh, psychiatrist. And so the nurses are basically gossiping about Dave and Dr. Woods going out to dinner. And one of the other nurses is quite jealous because I think she has a liking to Dave. And Billy is uh, advising Keely about the psychiatrist and how it helped him. And he's basically saying, look, it's not that bad. They're going to ask you how you're feeling and how and all that stuff. But he goes, at first, I hate it. But trust me, it's not that bad. And you should give it a chance. And everyone is basically planning a surprise party for Alex. And we find out that Billy is finally going home and he wants to live with his mum. Tiffany comes back to visit because she was in outpatient. So she's, you know, I'm going to pop back to the ward and see you guys. And obviously Alex is getting his eye checked out because he's got something with his eye. He, he comes back to the ward and he sees, oh, surprise. And they don't sing happy birthday but they sing a, a different version. So it goes, happy birthday to you, squash tomatoes and stew. You look like a monkey. So go back to the zoo. I've never, ever heard that. I've heard of, and you smell like one too. It's on uh, Madagascar. What, that song? Something what, happy like birthday one. to you, squash tomatoes and stew. You look like a monkey. So go back to the zoo. Yeah. I've never heard of that ever. I don't know if it was a way to get around the happy birthday because I know Michael Jackson bought the rights to happy birthday. And so everyone was like, yeah, we're not going to really play happy birthday anymore. It kind of got replaced with for he's a jolly good fellow. You can kind of see like how TV shows just slyly got around to not playing that song. But yeah, and obviously, yeah, Nurse Meadows, she's angry with Dave going out with Dr. Woods. And this was a really nice moment between Keely and Billy. And they both make a promise to one another. And she says, look, Billy, whatever happens with your mum, don't, please don't go back to alcohol and drinking. Get better and make sure you don't end up here. And Billy is telling Keely that you should promise me that you'll remember that you're always special and that you're Keely and you're unique and special in your own way. It was a really, really nice moment. And here we go. Here we go. Fiona walks past the chief, Dr. McEwen, and she says, it was you who ran me over, wasn't it? No. <laughs> Plot twist! Oh! Oh, this was the... I was, I was, like, going crazy. 
I had to pause it and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and he all of a sudden he, he decides to call the police and he's confessing. He's basically saying, look, I've got some information about the hit and run incident from a while back. Can you please come to my office? And so he feels totally ashamed by what he's done. He's basically talking to Dr. Woods. He feels ashamed by what he's done. And he thought, I can try and make it up to her by saving her. And yeah, we see that Alex gets a bike for his birthday. And uh, Dr. McEwen's like, I need to talk to Fiona. And he's apologizing to her. He's saying that, you know, look, I thought I could get away with it because I'm a, a really big time doctor and I'm white. So he thought I could definitely get away with something like that. And Fiona's like, look, I, I know you're sorry. I forgive you. And he's, he's in bits about the whole thing. And so the police arrive. And so does Fiona's mum. Man, I would have loved to have seen the confession. See, Britbox, you should have had season two on there. And we would have seen the, the confession. Lousy Britbox. But no, yeah, that was uh, as much as I could watch of Children's Ward. I would love to have seen more. I would love to have seen how it developed over the years. But uh, it, like, it certainly wasn't a bad show. And I enjoyed all like the little bits and pieces. But for me, it was definitely like... I was clock watching on this one and I wasn't on the others. So. That's uh, weird. But, uh, you know, that was a hell of a plot twist, though. Hell of a plot twist that it was the chief, Dr. McEwen. Yeah, that's good writing. It. Yeah. Oh, that is tremendous writing. That is, it was, it was, it was good. I'm, I, I, I have to disagree. I thought this was very, very good. It got his reputation for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, listening to you talk about it made me look at it and think maybe I didn't watch enough of it. So There you go. So uh, let's rank these shows from uh, three down to one. Okay, so uh, in full disclosure, I've just changed my mind literally five seconds ago. So in top spot was sent elsewhere. I think that that was definitely the best show that we did this week. Um, it was... Yeah, it was great. It was a really, really, really good show. Next, I've put a second place. I put Children's Ward, and that changed five seconds ago because that initially was my last one. But listening to you talk about it, 100% changed my mind about where I should be putting this in the thingy. And the next one was Young Doctors. It was a good show, again. Um, uh, it definitely got better and more gripping as the episodes went on. So, yeah, that's my three this week. Nice, nice, nice. So yeah, in at number three for me was The Young Doctors. It wasn't a bad show at all, but it just kind of fell by the wayside for me in terms of the other two shows. Number two was Children's Ward. I always like to put the British show as high as possible, but as, as good as Children's Ward was, it wasn't as good as St. Elsewhere. This was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, it is the best show that we've done this week. It's probably the best show that we've done in a little while, actually. I'll Agreed, go as far yeah. as say that. Absolutely brilliant. Love the theme song. Love the acting. Love the actors. Love the characters. The little quirks and, 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 and things where they would connect other shows and other worlds into 
the Saint Elsewhere universe was so so cool and yeah that episode where they were at the cheers bar was one of the most coolest things i ever saw doing this podcast so this is what this podcast is about discovering these shows and giving them its much due flowers so uh and it had denzel in it so uh yeah who knew knew? there you go there you go so uh we'll bring it to an end and uh, Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. We're available on most, if not all, of the podcast platforms. So do go out of your way to find us and give it a listen. We're on the socials at Instagram. It's Yesterday's Capers 1. We're on Twitter at Yesterday Capers. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. YouTube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers especially if it's not wiling out with the um, with the copyrights and, 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 and things of that nature. We've got a big following on YouTube, so uh, I appreciate each and every one of you who subscribe and listen via YouTube as it's the easier platform. I get it, so uh, appreciate that. And you can follow me on the socials at Instagram. It's Abdullah underscore Molim. And on Twitter, it's Abdullah Molim, all one word. You can get in touch with me and we can try and get some uh, ideas for episodes and uh, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers.